Welcome back to Gaming with Gage, your podcast for role-playing games and the periphery. Thanks for being here. And a big thank you for all the birthday wishes yesterday. This week, we resume our interview series with Aram Barshan, host and game master of God's Fall and Rise of the Demigods, the fifth edition actual plays set in Aram's God's Fall universe. We talked about a lot of production and some of Aram's plans for the future. As always, we ask that you rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And with all of that out of the way, let's jump into our chat with Aram Varchin. I was four or five episodes ahead when I launched the show, and I did 16 episodes, and then um, I planned to take like a month or two off. Um, nice. Because it was right great. before my... Yeah, and it was right before my son was about to be born. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so I was like, I'm going to need time there. Um, and so that's kind of become the format, is like four months on, two months off. Yeah. And uh, like the, before season two, I was like, I'm going to get ahead. I got like three episodes yeah. <laughs> ahead. And now I think I have something like 11 or 12 of the 16 recorded. Now becomes the uh, the struggle of editing. Yeah. Yeah. That is always, I mean, I've gotten faster, but that is always the breakdown because like I got an idea for, I want to launch a whole nother show. Like I'm, I haven't even launched Rise of the Demigods and there's the superhero show that I desperately want to launch. But at some point, there's a bottleneck of editing. I can't. I think I can do three, but that's it. There's no way I could add anything else. And are you? Do you like? Do you? Are you a control freak? Like, do you? Yes. Like, could you never? So you could never have someone edit it for you. Like, uh, you never I hire could, someone. I could hire someone to do the rough. I could hire someone to go through, cut everything up, get all the pauses removed, right, and then give me a rough thing. But I'm going to need to come in and do the music and the sounds and the effects and the voiceovers and things like that. I have to do the voiceovers because it's me. But for the most part, yeah, I need control over that final thing. Now I could be wrong. I could meet someone and I'm like, they're better than I am. Okay, here. And just hand it off. But, you know, that's that kind of person's going to probably be making their own show, I'd imagine. Well, you never know. I mean, some sure. people don't. Uh, I, I know. I So I've gotten into editing uh, video for my job, which I'm sure you can relate to. Um, yep. But it's a pretty simple, like what I do is, is pretty simple. And what I find is I sometimes have ideas for my own projects, but a lot of the times, like the moment I really started getting decent at it, I was like, you know what I want to do is I want to take these movies that are an hour and 20 minutes long uh, and have no reason to be. <laughs> and I want to cut them down to 80 minutes because I think what they did was really, really good. And I think if I cut it to 80 minutes, it would be better. Um, and that's an itch, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. I mean, it, and it's weird how it's, it's such an invisible thing. Right. Because no one, know, if you've done your job right, no one knows. No one knows that you've done anything. Yeah. And you, and it's, it's made, but if, but if you have a, yeah, but if you've done your job wrong or haven't done your job, it is painfully evident in how bad it is. I mean, it's just one of those things where it just goes away if you do it right. So it's kind of a, it's, it's tough. It's a tough sell. I like, I like how, um, Neoscum celebrates their editor so much, you know, mm -hmm. really kind of pushes Casey up because Casey's a good dude. And on top of that, he does a really good job. So it's nice to see them celebrate him because otherwise it kind of becomes invisible. And if the editor isn't the showrunner, then it's a weird power thing. So I don't know. I like to have the final uh, cut on mine, I guess. Yeah. I mean, with and like just because you brought up Neoscum as an example, like that is, I don't understand like that show how it functions <laughs> i love it i love listening to them but it's like it's kind of like the the like if i'm remembering correctly like the conceit is kind of migdal and he kind of has a hosty kind of persona about him yes but ganon is the game master and ganon runs the story and then you have casey editing it and it's like maybe right. it's an improv background or something i don't know but like i would be panicking if i did not have control 
<laughs> I don't know how that thing works on any given day, frankly. I mean, I don't know how they function as human beings <laughs> together. <laughs> I don't know how it works, but it does. They're just, I mean, each one is kind of a lunatic in their own way. And so I think they mesh together. I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it either. Yeah. So I like, I, edit video and so you have this problem too of like when you spend a bunch of time editing video for you know for money um yeah. and then you go over and have to edit audio for i mean for you it's probably past the point of being a hobby well it's definitely is you had a very successful kickstarter this year thank um, you last year for the listeners yep. <laughs> <laughs> um but like for me it's like it's it's a very hard thing to like sit here and um i wear contacts a lot sure and i always make the mistake of wearing contacts the first day of editing Oh, that's a bad mistake. I, I don't even wear contacts, and I know that's a mistake. Yeah, well, because I work in a, I work in corporate events, and I I work on the production team, uh, handling sure. like AV and stuff. So I go away for a week. I come home. I have about three days where I have to do that's eight to twelve hours worth of presentations. Yeah, and it's pretty cut and paste if there's no issues, and I can bang through them pretty fast if there's no issues. But then I'm not located in the same city as our office, so then you know you know uploading and downloading time on video, which is. So it takes fun. forever. It takes <laughs> yeah. forever. Yeah. Then it's like, get that done. It's like, okay, cool. Monday I have to go, you know, to to Chicago where I just was, um, or Denver, which is where I, or no, Kentucky is where I'm going next. But like, okay, I have two days. What am I going to do for those two days? I'm going to, you know, kiss my son, kiss my wife, and now sit down and edit some audio. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it, yeah, it that's is. what you do. You find places to, you find places to sneak it in. Also, next time you're in Chicago, you should definitely hit me up. Oh, it definitely will. I've, uh, I, we went a lot this year. I live in South Florida right now. I'm moving in January, but so it's pretty relaxed here, sure. <laughs> temperature wise. Totally. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Aram, host of God's. Well, I know. I don't know where we're gonna come in because we had some That's really okay. good stuff that I don't want to get rid of. Jump in whenever <laughs> you want. We're good. <laughs> Jump in wherever. But for people who don't know, your name is Aram. You are the host of God's Fall, as well as the creator of the world. Uh, you have the world book, which I have in PDF. <laughs> um, awesome. As well as building the the rise of the demigods, which is a new series coming out, a new world, and a new book, if I have everything right. All three. All right. And if, what else am I missing? Add to your credentials. Uh, I'm kind of sort of working on this thing called Evolution Earth, which is a superhero actual play podcast that I want to launch next year-ish, or maybe when this comes out this year. I'm not sure, <laughs> but sometime in the nearish future. So this is a long, uh, long standing joke among uh, some friends of mine and people who listen to my show, which is that I don't work for Pinnacle Entertainment Group, uh, mm -hmm. but I might as well. And so when you told me you were doing superheroes, I suggested that you use Savage Worlds and you said, yes. no, I'm going to make my own instead because I have so much free time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd make it just a little bit harder, you know. Yeah, why not? Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's something I wanted to do for a while. Um, I've wanted to write a system for a while. Superheroes links to that perfectly for me. And I also wanted to, to write a system that was more focused on storytelling, the kind of storytelling we do, which is basically improv in front of cameras and microphones. So mm -hmm. I, I wanted a system that was more conducive to that and a little bit faster, but still had like a lot of opportunity for a lot of violence, basically. I'm just saying you should make your own system and have fun. It's your dream and you should follow it. Yeah. But Savage Worlds is the like, fast, furious, fun system for brutal but quick combat resolution. It sounds great, but I can't sell it. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I got to make my own thing so I can sell it. That's part of this. It's, it's what keeps the lights on, you know. Just saying they have a licensee program as well. Yeah. As okay. Okay. I'll look. League. I'm just saying. I'm just, I I'm will just take, throwing it out there. 
I will take a firm look at that. How about that? It's my favorite. My favorite thing in the world is uh, okay. Savage World. So it's like I have to. Uh, I'm preparing myself for the eventuality of of playing D and D because, uh, again, which I like Fifth Edition. Fifth Edition is a great game. Sure. Do not get me wrong. I think sometimes I come across as a D and D basher, and that's not how I feel. I think Fifth Edition is amazing, and they finally got it right, and they should be proud. Um, awesome. But like, but it's not what I normally play. But I have the God's Fall World book, and I want to play yes. in that universe i have from the very beginning awesome you're actually part of the reason uh, my group switched to fifth edition oh no kidding yeah we all came in we we all came in in our early 20s as nerds who have always wanted to play and then we had we finally had a friend who had a game going yeah. <laughs> and so like all of us like stormed him and started playing and they were playing three five so we played three five and you know we didn't know anything and so we had heard about fifth edition and i started looking for examples of people doing fifth edition and i found god's fall and i listened to god's fall and then we all listened to god's fall and ah. and then we we ended up moving the group over to fifth edition so you you have credit for that you have a piece of that credit <laughs> excellent well i mean it's it's been i played all of them and it's been my favorite uh i by far it really has been my favorite it's good for experienced players it's good for people just coming in and it makes it real easy on the storyteller because it keeps the pace up the way less number crunchy way way more story oriented mm -hmm. yeah but without sacrificing too much like there's little there's there's little things in there there's little math in there that makes it fun but it's easy to remember everyone can get it it's not like this long involved process where you need a protractor and time right you can all just get a little hit of that math and have fun with that but not get you know bogged down so what what made you decide to get into the world of like a creating a podcast because i i I, like I said, a fan of God's Fall from very early on. And I remember you saying you've never really had success as a GM. And then yeah. you decided to GM in front of microphones. <laughs> I know. I know. Also, as a, as a, as a stutter who can still barely control his stutter. I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but the general idea was that I wanted to play D&D after not playing for a long time. I knew that the fifth edition was out. Uh, I'm not the best book learner. Like I just don't really learn by sitting down with a book. I learn by doing. And when I heard that there were these actual play podcasts out there, I thought, oh, well, this is perfect. I'll just listen to one of these shows and I'll get the rules as I listen. And there were some good ones, but it very, but very quickly, I realized like there wasn't a lot of editing or structure. So sometimes you were just thrown in and, and you had to figure out who these five people around the table were because no one was introduced or anything or anything. And then I didn't, I realized like once I got past that and once I started to understand what was going on, I didn't know if they were getting the rules right or not. There was no way to know. They were just playing and you'd look up a rule and they go, well, that's wrong. So it wasn't really helping me learn as much as I hoped it would. So I just dove in and thought, okay, okay, I'm going to do one of these shows probably for a very short period of time, like maybe one up, like maybe one season or less. And I'm going to just edit them and show how a little bit of production can kind of get these things more in order and get these things a little bit more polished. And then it just took the hell off. Uh, by the third episode, it took off. So at that point, there was no going back. And then Turtle Fest happened. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then we did something right. <laughs> Which is amazing. Like now we're talking about, do you want to talk a little bit about Rise and what people can expect from, from Rise? Even though at this point, 
in the future, people will already be listening. (laughs) (laughs) So what you could expect that you've already heard is that uh, Rise is a world in the God's Fall world five years before the God's War and before the entire, most of the uh, planet gets torn apart. So this is during prime God years, right? They're all there. Everyone's having a good time. Everyone's got their powers and they're controlling most of the world. There was a lot of demigods born, too many, in fact, and they began to run rampant across the world, starting fights and generally pissing off the mortals who rose up against them, killed a bunch of them and threatened the very powers of the gods themselves. So they established this temple of Udea, where they will send newly found demigods to be tested under these trials and taught how to use their abilities until they finally have to face the union at the end. So it's it's basically, it ties into a story I've wanted to tell for a while of the world before everything broke down. And it also allows me to write new rules and new stories about how you can make your own demigods within my world. Which is also kind of like what everyone wants to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Which, everyone which just break into it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm a backer. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for this one. And I'm excited for all the new cities and continents. And Devin Rue is going to work on the new map for it, which I'm really excited about. So it should be a lot of great content to add to the world. Oh, absolutely. Devin Rue is amazing. And is it a lot of familiar voices? Is there people that we're going to recognize from God's Fall? Is it a completely new cast? It's a completely new cast, but there will be guest stars from God's Fall. Michael's going to play an instructor at the Temple of Udea. Doro is going to be involved in some capacity. I can't tease that at all more than that, but there but there will be a time when Doro's in it. And then there's just a bunch of people from the Chicago area who will be uh, in and out as guest stars. The core cast will be four. All of us are LGBT. And it's a group of people that are both actors and improvers and also just hardcore players. So I think it'll be a really great mix for everyone. Now, I know you can't tease the Doro bit for November 13th, but can you tease the Doro bit for March 11th? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I mean, Doro will be involved. I could say that. <laughs> do you call Doug Doug anymore? Like, even if you're just talking to him I, normally, I do. Or do you just call him Doro? I, you know, I, most of the time I do indeed call him Doug. There are several times when we're playing, I just call him Doro. It just, he becomes the character. He doesn't leave the character until it's done. When he's up eating pizza, he's still Doro. So it's like, it's, you know, it's hard to shake it. <laughs> no, definitely. He's definitely one of those people where like, I feel like Michael kind of, um, kind of bounces between rolls very quickly and very effortlessly uh but yeah. i i have a hard time and it, maybe it's just because i haven't heard him do a lot of other stuff but i have a hard time separating doro and doug from one person it's pretty much locked in for me as well and you're right about michael michael can just pop in from one thing to the next he doesn't slow down at all um i think people were surprised to hear that he's actually a voice actor on top of all the other stuff he does on, on top <laughs> of the note keeping and the fact that he writes custom music and i mean he just does a ton of things and he also has a four-year science uh, degree before he bailed on that because i convinced him to hold a camera (laughs) (laughs) it's an easy it's so easy to lure people into uh the production world yeah it really is harder to get out (laughs) well i mean he's done all right he's the uh director of photography for the washington blade does a lot of freelance gigs around dc and you know he has a pretty good life doing it 
even though I don't know if his parents ever really forgave me. <laughs> I have a friend who's a, a police officer, but I'm like, how much do you make on overtime? You know, I could pay you more than that to come to like work a day, just work a load in and just lift heavy things in, right. into a ballroom. Like it's such a weird uh, cottage like industry that we live in and work in where the money is, is inconsistent, but, uh, but nice. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, like I do uh video design jobs for this company that does uh basically they don't like, they'll put those big screens into a restaurant or into a store or into a hospital that are all networked and have information flowing into them. And I'll do video work for them wherever they have a setup. I'll go and interview the people and how the solutions help them, et cetera. And so on, you know, it's, and, and it's, you know, it's, occasional but it's often enough and the pay is ridiculous compared to like if i was going to do some documentary work or some other work i mean it's not even close yeah corporate's nice yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean soulless but nice <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it is it's completely soulless but they don't do it. i mean you know they're just putting informational tvs in places it's not like it's northrop uh grummet or something yeah you know, no, it's, at least it's, they're not doing evil you know yeah, no, absolutely. It's the same same for me. I, like I like all of my clients. So it's and I I actually have the the benefit of being on salary at a production company. Nice. Um, yes, it is. Well, it's nice until you work a sixteen hour day and you yeah. realize that it's the same pay. Yeah, <laughs> no, totally. I mean, you know, the comfort's nice. The security's nice. Yeah. Yes, but it's always interesting to me that like I, there's not more people who are in, you know, event production or video production or graphic production, you know, like these industries where you, you kind of have a lot of hurry up and go and to really make decent money to be able to support yourself, you kind of have yeah. to take less artistic work. I'm surprised that there's, that this isn't just flooded with, <laughs> with people who like have all of this, uh, you know, technical know-how and a desire to stretch artistically. It's like, it just seems like, you know, podcasting and Twitch streaming and all of it, it just seems like an easy fit. Some people are just technicians, man. It's, it's nothing against them. They just want to be technicians. They just want to push the buttons and get the job done. To want to make something is a whole different thing. And and I think that I would agree. I would think that there would be these people, but you and I think the same way. And a lot of people don't. They just don't. They just don't want to do it. They just or they don't have the idea to do it. They just want to push the buttons. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Technicians are amazing people. They are all smarter than I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. But, you know, but just some people don't want to have the impetus to do the other thing. They should if they do. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of the best things about this field is that it's all it's just so level. I mean, anyone can jump into podcasting. Anyone can take a shot at it. It helps if you know the information, you know, know the software and have some of the gear, but anyone can do it. So you're making the movement over into uh, Twitch streaming, which to me is always the the very curious thing because first of all, it's live, <laughs> which ner makes me nervous to no end. But second of all, like you, when you're talking about your journey into role-playing game podcasts, a lot of it is about how much doing a little more production and a little pre and post production and a fair hand of editing can make something sound better. And now you're moving into a new space that kind of feels for me as, as, as someone who's like, is just a consumer of, of Twitch feels a lot like those older style of podcasts where because it's live, it just kind of is what it is. I've seen some people do it you know, very well. Obviously the folks at critical role, uh, the folks at the saving throw show, like who, who handle it very, very well. But like for me, it, it causes me anxiety. And I think you and I are similar, so I'm just wondering why throw yourself in that arena. 
Well, I'm technically not. And let me explain. I was in charge for a while of the uh, Rivals of Waterdeep show. And we did that live. And I, at least some of it. And I believe the entire time that doing it live was worthless. I mean, not worthless. I shouldn't say that. Just that doing it live didn't add what people were telling me it added to the experience. Because we couldn't talk with the audience because we're also involved with the show. So it's going on live, but it's just people commenting in the background. And I didn't quite understand what the value of that is. So my argument was not to do it live. My argument was to record it, edit it, give it production, put it back out. And they, we, we hit some conflict there uh, because a lot of the cast were streamers. And I think that that just was an insult to them. I didn't mean it to be, but I can see how it would be. But for me, I still believe it should be recorded. So what we're doing is we're producing these shows and then we're going to broadcast them at the same time each week. And we're all going to be in the chat along with the broadcast. And then once it's up, we're going to throw it on YouTube. And also because it's edited, we'll be able to take the audio out of it and throw it up as a podcast. So we're kind of working on two products at once with this one. So you're pre-recording. Yes, That's, absolutely. Now, do you think that that's the way it's going? Do you think, like, much like how podcasts now, you have like uh, somebody who I think of as I, I don't I don't know that they necessarily listen to God's Fall, but I think of them as uh, kind of in the same uh, world is bombarded, um, mm -hmm. where it's a very produced show and they you know, they add a song every week, but like it was very much a what can we add and and highly edited and very very strictly like built out to make you a product. Um, do you think Twitch is going to move in that way? We'll start seeing more stuff that's pre-recorded. I mean, I I think so. I think it's the best way to do it. I mean, I I do understand the appeal of live for some people, and I do, and we certainly plan to do live shows within this structure. So the majority of them are going to be pre-recorded, but we'll occasionally do a live show, like if we're at a con or something. I think that yeah, I I love some of these shows. Four hours is too long. It's just too long. I don't have four hours, you know? I don't have that kind of time. And I think if we, if it's a focused, edited, produced thing, it can be two hours and it can be really tight and it can be the consistent in quality and experience every single week. And we can get into more imagery and visuals and, and cutaways. And, you know, we can uh, launch into like background episodes where it goes quick into someone's background then back out into the whole party so you can have all this extra layers in it in the story and that's just what i'm trying for i could be totally wrong but i think we're on to something here i think so too i mean it makes sense the moment you said it i'm like that sounds more like something around would do yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely then, yeah but it, it seems to make sense and like for me like like I was saying, the the streaming thing gives me anxiety, and that would also solve that problem for me. So I might actually steal your idea, but by the time that happens, totally. you'll have already cornered that market, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'd look. Hopefully, it'll broaden it so that other people. I mean, like I fully, I I fully believe that by making God's Fall, I convinced some other people to edit shows, and now look at how many rich edited shows we have out there. I think that's great. So I think if we succeed as well with this one, it will convince others to do the same, and then we can have a whole sea of rich and edited shows that that makes me happy that's you know i want people to do these things i'm making them because i believe in the stories and also because i believe in this method of storytelling so i'd love to see more of them absolutely okay so now we're getting towards the end of time so two final things and the first thing is if people are interested in all the stuff that you're doing where can they go 
Okay, you can go to godsfall.com for our current story. You can go to demigodsfall.com for the one that we're working on. And you can follow me at Vartian, V-A-R-T-I-A-N, on Twitter. Excellent. And now the last question is, if people are looking at what you're doing and are excited about it, and like you said, inspired by it, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them? The one piece of advice I would give them is not to wait to tell your stories. Just tell it. Get whatever gear you can together. Uh, if you if, if you go to godsfall.com, there's an article on how we record and edit ours, and there's relatively cheap options. But don't let things like gear or whatever stop you. Just do it. Do it right now. Edit. Find out how to do it by editing. And if you don't like it, then start again. But the only way you're going to do a show is to do a show. I think that's excellent advice. <laughs> it's That's the piece of advice that I think people need to hear a hundred times before it sinks in. So I'm definitely glad that you put that forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you hear that with writers a lot. It's like, what advice do you give writers? Write. <laughs> right. Yep. Put it uh, on paper. Don't worry about how it looks. Clean it up later. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ram. This has been so much fun. My I'm, pleasure. I'm sure it usually blows people away that it's only a half an hour. <laughs> They're always <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> well, it seems like, but I talk a lot, so I'm used to the time going by. <laughs> it's because uh, I have the theory that people are more likely to say yes to a half an hour <laughs> interview I than buy anything that. else. Yeah, and then and also, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those kind of like analytical people. And when I first started looking into podcasting, I read some interesting data. And I don't know how accurate it still is because the landscape has changed so much. But it was most people listen in their car and the average commute is 30 minutes. That makes sense. That's why the 30-minute slot is so good. And then I've actually seen since then other people where I, I see more people saying oh gosh, I, I wish I didn't have to turn the episode off to go into work. Then I see people going, can you make them longer? Yep. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Gaming with Gage. If you have ideas for upcoming guests, want to chat with the cast, or a chance to play in some of our games, you can find our Discord link in the show notes. You can also find the show at facebook.com slash gamingwithgage and on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at gamingwgage. Your support makes this show a reality week after week. One of the best ways to help out is to leave five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We read all of them, and sometimes we even read them on the air. We look forward to hearing from each and every one of you, but until then, we'll see you next week.